Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. In the first reading, as well as in the gospel for this weekend, we are reminded of our identity. We are sinners, but loved sinners by God. Now, this isn't something that we want to hear, and why not? After Vatican II, the church really didn't emphasize sin. In fact, during the 70s and the 80s of our church, many priests preached, you know, what we refer to as that banner theology. You know, I'm okay, you're okay, we're all okay. Seemingly to overlook sin and all of its effects upon us. Well, in the first reading, as well as in the gospel, they are boldly emphasizing sin and the devastating effects sin has on us. And yet, they greatly emphasize God's infinite and overwhelming mercy. G.K. Chesterton once said, The difference between a saint and a sinner is the saint knows that they are a sinner. And yet, how profound is that? And it's so true. You know, you look up and down the Bible, and you see this as well. In the lives of the people, the figures in the Bible, you also see this in the lives of the saints. Now, go back into the Bible. What's the one thing you always see? God's wrath. God's judgment against sin. Now, I would argue God's wrath is good. In fact, when you read the Bible, every two or three pages in the Bible, you come across God's anger his wrath and judgment against sin. Now, don't get me wrong. When we talk about God's wrath, his anger, it's not that God has fallen into some emotional fit of temper or an emotional snit. Furthermore, it doesn't mean that God is like some dysfunctional father. He becomes angry at the slightest thing that we do wrong, kind of like he has a clipboard waiting to pounce on us at the moment we sin. Instead, God's wrath God's anger is identified in the Bible as his great passion to set all things right. To set things right that have been, you could say, distorted or disoriented because of sin. That is what God's wrath is all about. In fact, one could argue, if God weren't angry or if God didn't have a wrath, it would mean that he does not love us. St. Irenaeus, and I've given you this quote many times, always said, God is glorified when the human being is fully alive. When when are we fully alive? When we are being and living the person that God intended or created us to be. So what does sin do? Well, it prevents us from being that person. It prevents us from being fully alive. That's what generates God's wrath, his anger. And see, when that happens, then God has a deep passion, a deep disposition to set all things right. Our God is a God of life, and when we aren't fully alive because of sin, he becomes angry because sin has caused this to happen. That's why there is no contraindication between God's wrath and God's love for us. They're one and the same. 
In fact, a classmate, a friend of mine, would always joke, you know, there should be a parish named the Wrath of God. Can you imagine the secretary of that parish answering the phones? Hello, the Wrath of God, can I help you? You know, as I said before, saints are saints because they know their sin. They are keenly aware of this. They're not obsessed about it, but they are aware of what sin does, what type of condition it puts them in. Well, now go back to the readings for this weekend. And now it makes very clear what's going on. Both David in the first reading and the woman in the gospel, they have sinned. They both acknowledge it. They both turn to God for forgiveness of their sins. And that's important. Because turning to God, God's wrath falls upon David and the woman in the gospel. And in doing so, now God has a great passion to make all things right. And that's what we see in these stories. And yet these are just two stories that features God's wrath, his passion to set all things right. There are so many when you look at the Bible, up and down sacred scripture. Look at St. Peter. St. Peter, after witnessing the miracle of the catching of so many fish on his boat, he turns to Jesus. He kneels down before Christ and he says, Leave me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. And yet, the more we come closer to God, and this is important, the more we come closer and closer to God, the more we become more aware of our sinfulness. You know, that's a keen lesson for us all. God wants exactly for this to happen. Now, why? Does he do it to make us feel miserable, you know, regardless of our condition? No. Instead, the more we draw closer to God, the more we feel God's wrath or his love, his love to set all things right in ourselves. He sees what sin does. It has a dysfunctional aspect about us in our lives. We are no longer fully alive. What does God want to do? Make all things right. That's what he does for David, as well as in the woman in the gospel. Now notice, the first thing that must happen, they have to acknowledge that they've sinned. See, David, as well as the woman in the gospel, they first acknowledge their sinfulness, and then they turn to the Lord. They seek God to rescue them from sin. You know, I've said it before, you know, we can't rescue ourselves or pull us out of sin. Only God can do that. You know, a great example of this is St. Paul. St. Paul, in his letter to the Romans, chapter 8, verse 27, it's a classic statement. You know, the great statement of faith, as well as Paul's sinfulness. He says, For I do not do the good that I want to, but I do the evil I do not want to do. No, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells inside of me. Here, St. Paul, probably greatest of all the apostles, he describes the great tension in his soul you know, that is related to sin. Sin has caused this great distress, this inner conflict in his soul. You know, we all feel that tension from time to time in our life. That's exactly what sin does. Just like St. Paul, we say to ourselves, I know what I have to do. I know what to avoid. And yet I know what is right from wrong and still I struggle to choose right from wrong. It's not always easy. See, when Paul wrote Romans, he had been a Christian for approximately 25 to 30 years. You know, it's not like Paul had these struggles at the very beginning of his Christian life. You know, struggles in faith. 
That'd be easy to understand. But here, Paul, he wrote Romans towards the end of his life. You know, throughout Paul's ministry, he established, you know, countless churches, baptized thousands of people, evangelized two continents. You'd think this would be a very holy man, and he was. And yet he still struggled with that inner conflict of sin and what it did to him. You know, that's why Romans chapter 8, verse 27 is such a powerful statement. You know, we, we see the inward conflict that Paul has. You know, and we all have that ourselves. If Paul, a great saint and a warrior of our church, can have it, well, so do we. Throughout our lives, we struggle with this ourselves. We can all identify with Paul in Romans. Sin causes the state of inner tension of our soul. When we place something else or someone else other than God at the center of our life, well, then a war erupts inside of us. We become divided amongst ourselves. Worse yet, We can't rescue ourselves from sin. And see, that's what Paul teaches us. And see, that's what David in the first reading, as well as the woman in the gospel, they tell us just that. We can't rescue ourselves out of sin. Only God can do that. That's why they both turn to God. So you say to yourself, okay, I get it. So what do I do now? Well, some suggestions. First and foremost, go humbly before the Lord. Just like David and the woman in the gospel, Spend time before the Blessed Sacrament. Just spend time before the tabernacle. You know, recognize the presence of God in your midst. And just pray. Pray for God's infinite forgiveness and mercy that he has for us. Better yet, pray the Divine Mercy Chaplet. You know, incorporate that into your daily prayers. The Divine Mercy Chaplet is something that is, can be said in a matter of three or four minutes. It's very easy. And it's a nice mantra you know, recognizing God's overwhelming mercy that he has for us and how much we need that for ourselves as well as for the world. Another suggestion, perform an examination of conscience on a regular basis. St. Ignatius of Loyola taught his monks to perform an examination of conscience right before they went to bed at night, every night. He told them, To see throughout the day, go back throughout the entire day from the very beginning of the day and see where they cooperated with God's grace and see where they didn't and they succumbed to sin. And then pray, pray in thanksgiving for God's grace that God had given them throughout the day. And then pray also for God's forgiveness such that they will be better people the next day. Well, perform an examination of conscience. It doesn't have to be every night. Maybe once a week. You know, see where you have cooperated with God's grace. At the same time, see where you have struggled to cooperate with God's grace and have succumbed to sin. And then pray for forgiveness. And then also exercise or use the sacrament of reconciliation, the sacrament of confession. You know, it's a great spiritual exercise to continue to renew us, to draw closer to God. See, when we do those things, then we do exactly what David and the woman in the gospel did. First, we recognize our sinfulness, and then we go to God. And God, in his wrath and his love for us, he immediately forgives us. He overwhelms us with his grace and his forgiveness and his love. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.